produce. He said, but you came and, de- and denied my, hand, my land or defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Is that not a picture of us? It is easy to serve God when you don't have anything. I mean, when you, when you are desperately in need. We have some category of Christians like that who draw closer to God. When they are desperately in need, when there is nowhere they can turn to, you can easily see their commitment, measure their commitment at that time. But when they are well off and they are satisfied and they have come into a place of relaxation that when they stretch their hand here, everything they need is available, then they will now be given excuses. We can cite example like someone who has been trusting God for the fruit of the womb. In that time, in that season of your life, is your wilderness season. And that's the time that, oh, come night vigil. If they call night vigil all night, they will be there. Oh, it's prayer and fasting time. They will be there. Revival season. They will be there. But when the child now comes and God bless you, you forget the person who blessed and you focus on the blessing. And that's why you start giving excuses. Oh, my child is cold. Oh, the weather is cold. I can't afford to come to church. Oh, my child is this, my child is that. We start giving excuses for God. So Israel came into the land of plenty and they started building houses or they occupy houses that they did not build. And they have land that they did not cultivate, free of child. They gave it to them. And they began to feel so complacent and they neglected God and began to serve foreign gods, the gods of the land. This is what God was saying. God was just expressing his heart to his people. So in verse 8, he said, the, the priest did not ask. Even the priest became corrupt. The priests, in those days, they have the Levitical priests who have the right to carry the law and also have the right to carry the blood to sprinkle on the people. They themselves became corrupt when they got into the promised land. Liking to us, we are royal priesthood. It's not just talking about the pastors or those who have the fivefold ministry. Every one of us, we are priests. Because the Bible says we have been brought into the priesthood office. So we are royal priesthood. So how many times have we turned our back against God? The God that we once trust now became the God that we grumble to or we complain or we start giving excuses. To our God, and we say we don't have time for you. So the priest did not ask, Where is the Lord? When they were serving all this graven image, they forgot about the God who led them through the wilderness. They forgot about the God who causes the, the, the rock to bring forth water and heaven to rain down manna. They forgot all about it and all the miracles that he did, how he fought the battle for them. They forgot. They did not ask, where is the Lord? It is very important that as Christians, we don't forget this God. It is very important that when we are going through trials in our lives, let's reflect back on what God has done in the past. 
Let's not forget about the miracle of the past. And that is where faith comes in. That's where we remind ourselves of, that is, if we remind ourselves of the things that God has done in the past, it quickens and strengthens our faith to believe God for what you intend God to do for now. So let's not forget this God. So those who deal with the law did not know me. So those who deal with the laws are the lawmakers themselves. We're talking about the law of Moses. Those who handle the law, they forgot about him. The leaders rebelled against him. Talking about the, the leaders of the people, the elders of the people of different tribes. The elders of Benjamin, the elders of Zebulon. And we can liken it to elders. We can liken it to all the leaders in the house. We can liken it to leaders in different capacity. Are you a lawyer? Are you a director in your place of work? Are you a manager? Are you a father? Are you a mother? Are you a brother or an auntie or an uncle? So it applies to every one of us, really. Because in one way or the other, we are, a, we are in a capacity of leadership. Have we forgotten God? Have you forgotten the God who brought you this far? He said the prophets also prophesy by Baal. Now, this is all the things that Israelites were doing in their time. The prophets prophesy by Baal, following worthless idols. That will not be our own portion in Jesus' name. We will prophesy by God, by the Spirit of God. We will not go into divination to prophesy. There are so many things that is going on in Christendom. People are operating in signs and wonders, but not from the living God. Some have to go on top of the mountain, so-called, to collect power. And they, with all that miracles, they are drawing crowd unto themselves. And the ignorant who cannot discern, who are after miracle and not after the, the word of God, sound doctrine, they will be going after this so-called prophet. But where did he, where did he get his power from? They will not inquire. Where was he last night? Maybe there is something that he, he bows down daily in his home or in a garden somewhere, under a cave somewhere, and he comes out and is operating in so-called miracles that is not from God. We need to be very, very careful. But for those of us who are sound in the world and we are sound in the true doctrine, we'll be able to discern. You will not be carried away. By all these so-called miracles. If you are not miracle-oriented or miracle-minded, then you will not be carried away by that. But if you are the word, sound word-minded, as in this church, we have the Bible. Thank God, these children, all the young ones here, they know when someone is prophesied by Baal because they are sound in the word of God. So it's not about age. You can have a 70-year-old who will be carried away by all this bow, you know, all, all this divination and all these liars that are going on. But if you are sound in the world, if you sit under this teaching, nobody can cajole you with fake miracles. You will know God for yourself because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the verse 9 says, Therefore I bring charges. So God has told them all the sins that they have been committed. 
He said, therefore, I bring charges against you. Again, declares the Lord. And I will bring charges against your children's children. So this is not talking about like some of us, we think, oh, this is generational cause. It has nothing to do with that. If, it, if the children's children indulge in idol worshiping, yes, they will go with it. But if a father is worshiping idol and your own child is not, then the child is spared. So there's nothing like generational causes, as some do believe. Verse 10, cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send, a, send to Kida and observe closely. Now this is God still speaking. See if, there, see if there have ever been anything like this. What is it? What is the thing? That they need to see. Has a nation ever changed its gods? So in other words, when you go to Cyprus, they still believe in their idol worshipping. They still serve their idols diligently. They are proud of it. They are diligent in their serving their idol. They never change their idol. They trust in their idol and they serve him well. The same in Kida. When you go there, they serve idol well. When you go to Saudi Arabia, they are so proud of Allah to the extent that if you deviate from, from, from that worship, and you said, oh, you are a Christian, you carry your Bible, you will know where you will find yourself in a few, few minutes from, night, from that time. They, so, they are so proud about their Allah that they have made a declaration that nobody should read the Bible in the public. For those of us who have God here in this country, and we can open our Bible in the book in the, on the bus stop, nobody's going to arrest us. In the bus, we can even preach, make declaration. We can shout on the in Woolwich Market there with our megaphone and say Jesus loves you, and nobody's coming to arrest us. But still, we are not so proud about our God. Some. So God was telling the Israelites, you go to Cyprus and go to Kida. And he was asking them a question. As a nation in verse 11, as a nation ever changes God's, it's not hard. In other words, it is unheard of. It is unheard of. Yet, they are not gods at all. Yet, they are idol worshippers. They are not really gods. They are not really the true God, the God who made the heaven and the earth. They are graven image, but yet they are proud of their God. They are committed to their God. He said, but my people <laughs> have exchanged their glorious God, the big letter G-O-D, for worthless idols. Can you imagine? It's detestable. And guess what happened in verse 12? Be appalled at this, you heaven. So God was calling the attention of heaven that come and see this abominable thing that is happening among my people. Something that has never been heard. It is, it is appalling. It is disgusting. It is an abomination that a nation can, can forget or exchange a living and glorious God to a worthless God. What went wrong? We are Paul at this, you heaven. 
and shuddered with great horror. Horror is horror. It's, it's very, very, is it horror? He said, declares the Lord, my people have committed two sins. Now, what are the sins? They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Hmm. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Jesus is our spring of living water. You know, when I was just, I checked the dictionary for spring, not that I don't know spring, but spring. Hmm. The spring is, is the result of an aquatic being filled to the point that water overflows onto the land surface. And he said it is a safe water. You know, spring water is safe. It's full of natural nutrients. And Jesus said he is our fountain of living water. And if we look at the book of, um, I think it's John chapter 7, verse 37 to 38, write it down. But in other words, he's saying that he is the spring of water that never go dry. He said, when anyone drink of this river, he will never go thirsty. Because out of him will flow rivers of living water, talking about the Holy Spirit. So, the, Jesus refreshes us. Jesus is our springs of living water. Is our fountain of living water. Is a, a water that you will drink and you will never be thirsty again. And can you imagine Israelite forsake such and we can see some, even in the body of Christ, are forsake God. And maybe, maybe you are in this gathering today also, maybe, because I don't want to overlook anyone. You know, maybe you are here also, that you are forsaking God. Your fire, your previous fire, or will I say when you first gave your life to Christ, the fire that you had at that time is beginning to dwindle. Or maybe your love life for God is twingling. You are struggling. Or you don't even feel like praying. Our sister over there was saying that she was beginning to examine herself. That do I pray in church and I do not pray at home? It happens to most of us that we are tired. And I think we need to readjust. Sometimes we always say, okay, I will pray about it. But many times God wants you to just reorganize your time. Maybe you have been praying. You have been praying. You've been up and be doing certain things, maybe watching TV till late. And by the time you now go to prayer, you are tired. So God wants you to readjust your time. It's not just, well, God, help me, help me. There are some physical things that you have to do and change and make adjustments. So maybe you've been spending much time on the TV, spending three hours. And guess what? You are not even watching anything. You are just flipping channels from one channel to another. Or you are spending time on Nollywood. To make it plain, a football, or your favorite, you know, program. And in, to the extent that your favorite program that you are recording in series and you watch it every week has now become part of you. That you are no more dreaming of fellowship or dreaming of heaven and you are dreaming of that. And God wants you to make adjustments. So... Those are the things that we need to change. We need to change all those. 
so that we'll have time to pray. So that our prayer life will not dwindle down or our fellowship life will not dwindle down to the extent that we'll have no time for God. And we are becoming dry. So, two things, two sins. Don't worry about this because when we reach the time, I will stop. I told you mommy is going to continue. Because this is too rich that I don't want to just be giving us just points and points and points. But I'm setting my eyes on the clock. So, two things people are committed is the forsaking the spring of living water. And two, they dug their own systems. And I was, I looked, checked the dictionary for systems as well. Said it is a waterproof, recaptable for holding water. Distinguishing from wells. It is, is distinguished from wells by their waterproof lining. So it's an artificial um, thing, cubicle, that holds water. But guess what? With the Israelite, they have this, but it is full of holes. So the water cannot really hold, so it's leaking. So sometimes when we forsake God, and we now want to start working and making effort for ourselves, it doesn't go along with it doesn't still satisfy. So because nothing satisfy outside God. You forsake God, you can as well forsake everything. There's nothing that satisfy. So it is I think it is when Apostle was teaching about, about spell, it is spell that will make us to forget the real and just pick up the artificial. So God wants us not to forsake him because when you forsake God, you forsaken life. God is life. So we need to, if you are forsaking God today, let's go back. If you know of somebody who are forsaking God among your friends and family, tell them, go back. Because nothing satisfies in this life but God. It is only God that can give you the satisfaction that you need. So two things, Israel, because mommy can ask us that question. The two things that Israel was, uh, uh, committed that God was angry about was one, they forsake God, who is their fountain of living water, and also they dug their own systems. So broken systems that cannot hold water. So in other words, we need God. We need God because God is the one that gives us life, that gives us hope, that gives us joy, that gives us fulfillment in life. So we cannot afford to do without Him. And in verse 14, he said, Is Israel a servant? A slave by birth? So God is asking a question. My own chosen race, my own people, my own chosen generation, my own possession, my own very own. How can they be a slave? So he's asking. Because all, what, all their actions and attitude is more or less like that of a slave. Because if a slave is not entitled to the inheritance of, a, of the family, a slave is not entitled to the inheritance of the family, but a born, a, someone who is born in the family has the whole privilege. So God has given us everything that belongs in heaven. All the glory of heaven belongs to the church. So how can the church now become a beggar? How can the church be begging for bread? 
how can the church be, be acting like a pig? So is Israel a slave? And the Bible says in the book of Romans 6.16, it says we are slaves to whoever we obey. So whoever we obey, we become, that person that we obey is our master. So if we obey God, God is our master. But if we obey man, or obey the people that are lying against the truth, then they have now become our master. So is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has he become plundered? So when we found all these things happening around us, when we, are, when we are impoverished, when we are not supposed to, then we should check ourselves. Are we really, are we forsaking God who owns everything? Or we are for him. So verse 15 says, Lion has roared. They have glown at him. So these are the, uh, the consequences of sin. They have laid waste his hands, his lands. His towns are burnt and deserted. We can see this is what, what's going on in Syria, what's going on in other parts, all this, all this part of the world, where all their, all their properties and all their livelihoods have been ruined because they turned their back against God. Verse eight, 16. Also, the men of Matthews and Taph. In source of, uh, I apologize for my pronunciation. Have cracked your skull. Have you not brought this on yourself? You see, by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way. So, in other ways, if we forsake God, then the edge of protection is taken away. Because when God, when, when we allow God to lead us, he will always build a wall of fire around us. He will always be an edge of protection around us. But when we move out of his own edge or move out of his protection hand, then we are open to the enemy. The enemy can attack us. And this is what happened to the Israelites. We saw how they were impoverished by the Assyrians, how they were impoverished by the Amorites, how they were taken over by Babylon. Because they forsook forsook God in their days. Now, why go to Egypt to drink water from the Nile? (laughs) And why go to Assyria to drink water from the Euphrates? Where if God is their fountain of living water, why should they go to their enemies to seek for water? And that is how we... When we forsake God, we go back to the world. We go back to the world to seek for help. And what will the world offer? The world has nothing to offer but to impoverish us, to make us more bound into slavery. And that is what happened to the Israelites. They became bound. Say, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you. It is a bitter thing for us to backslide. It is a dangerous thing, an evil thing for us to backslide. You may say you have not backslided, but if what you have been doing from the beginning, you've stopped doing it, then you are backslided in such a way. If, for instance, 
you are someone who has been in the in the church and the lord has called you into a particular group but for one reason or the other you are beginning to give god excuses let's take for instance if god have called you into teaching ministry and you've done it for some time and then you pull out basically maybe because things are not working well in your own personal life maybe you are facing challenges and then you pull out you've backslidden in that area you may say oh i will wait until things get better no god wants to prove you <laughs> to see how faithful you are even when you are still believing god for a breakthrough god wants to see how faithful you are so maybe that's a message for somebody it might not be teaching it may be something that you yourself you know that god has called you but you are saying that oh i want to sort out things that i'm going through when things get better for me then i will go no that is a proof for you you go back to where god has called you and be faithful and be diligent then you will see how god is going to move on your behalf so verse 19 verse 20 he said, long ago, you broke off your yoke. <laughs> okay, I've not completed 19. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of him. That is, you do not fear God any longer. It is a bitter thing. Such people will face bitter judgments when we are not when we do not when we forsake god declares the lord the lord almighty i said verse 20 said long ago you broke off your yoke you know yoke as we all know yoke is um, it's like a wood that is tied between two animals and then you now attach it to a plow who is or a cat that is um, pulling them along so someone who is yoked cannot be is not free so they are being directed by whoever is, you know, car- driving the carts. So, but he said, long ago, you broke off your yoke and tore off your bands. You know, we all are yoked to Jesus. Even though we are free, but we are not free to do whatever we like. We are all yoked to Jesus. He said, long ago, you broke off your yoke and tore off your bands. You said, I will not serve you. <laughs> That's Israel. Israel was yoked to God when they were following him in the wilderness. And as soon as they get into the promised land, some of them broke their yoke. And then they yoked themselves to the God of the land. So in other words, they are saying, God... Thank you, how far you have led me. I can carry on from here. Is that how some of us act? When you, are, when you give your life to Christ, you are yoked to Jesus. That means that you belong to him. Jesus is your master. Jesus is the one who will lead you and who will inspire you on where to go. So you are, not, you are free in Christ. You are free from the rudiment of this world. But in Christ Jesus, you are yoked with him. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians 6, 17, that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That is how we are yoked with him. 
he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So that is why that many believers who are yoked to Jesus, they will always be in the very center of God's will. They will always do what pleases God. They will always know the will of God. They will always be in the center of his will. So when you are yoked to Jesus, you want to do everything in your possible power to please him. You don't want to offend him. You want to obey him. Wherever he sends you, you go. Whatever he tells you to do, you do. You have no mind of your own because the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. You may say, I'm not a slave. Nobody can tell me what to do. Guess what? If you are in Christ Jesus, the God, the God in heaven through his word will tell you what to do. If you know that you, are, you cannot be controlled by the spirit of God, then you are not his. You, are not, you, are not, you do not belong to him. Because the Bible says that we are all controlled by the spirit. He that is, he said that we are spiritually minded. So we are controlled by the spirit. So your mind is rooted in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So we are yoked to him. But when you break your yoke of him, then guess who will have you? The world. And when the world have you, then you are, you, the edge, you've lost that edge of protection. Then you are open to the attack of the enemy. So, you said, I will not serve you. And is that our confession today, that we are not serving God? That will not be our confession, because we will serve God to the rest of our life. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you lay down as a prostitute. Mm-hmm. I have planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me? into a corrupt wild vine you know this is god still speaking when god planted us as a believer he planted us in a in a holy atmosphere we are holy as he is holy he planted us clean but what made what made us to be more corrupt because we came out of the vine the Bible says that he is, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. It is only when the branch abide in the vine that it can bear fruit. And when we bear fruit, the Bible says we bring glory to him. So when we come, when a branch detach himself from the vine, it has become dead. Because it's through the vine that you get life. It is through the vine that you get refreshed. It is through the vine that you are connected. Once the branch disconnects from the vine, it is lifeless. So are we. If we disconnect from Jesus, then we are lifeless. Then we are dead. Then we become a walking dead. You may say, ah, but I'm not buried yet. Uh-uh. Yeah, you are not buried yet, but you are walking dead. You're walking dead, nothing fruitful, nothing fruitful. Then our life will not be pleasurable to God, will not be pleasing to God. We don't want to be an offense to God. We want to be a joy to God. We want God to look at us and say, yes, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I wear pleased. But we need to be connected to him. We need to be connected to him. 
to verse 22. Although you wash yourself with soap <laughs> and use as an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me. You know, many times we believers, we can be holier than thou. And we can be reading the words. Yes, we read the Bible. But the Bible has no imprint in our lives. We can be reading the Bible because the Bible is a soap. The Bible is a cleansing agent. But if we are not doing the words, then we cannot, we cannot please God. If we are doing contrary to what the scripture says, our sin is still before God. If we read the Bible today, we attend fellowship today, but tomorrow we are doing things that are abominable, that is so abominable that even the world, when they see us doing it, they are saying, get, get. I thought they are Christians. So if we are reading the Bible, but yes, we still lie. We read the Bible, but we still cheat. We read the Bible, but we still collect dough, even though we are not entitled to all these benefits. And we are working full time. Yeah, we read the Bible, but the credit card fraud is still going on. We read the Bible, but we still call corners. That is the Bible. He said, your sin is ever before me. I'm still smelling the guilt on your garments. So God is not a God that we can deceive. He said, God cannot be deceived. He cannot be mocked. So. Verse 23, how can you say I am not defiled? And that's why most of us, I have not read, I have not run after the bow. See how you are behaved in the valley. See, God sees, Jehovah sees. Consider what you have done. You are a sweet she camels running here and there. See, everything that we do behind closed doors, God knows it. Anything that we do, in the corner of our small little house, God knows it. What we do in our office, God knows it. What we do to our fellow brethren, God knows it. What we think in our heart, God knows it. Nothing is hidden before God. Even though we can come to him and say, God, we have not sinned. We are clean. We read the Bible every day. We come to church every day. We pay our tithe every day. We give offering. We give hands. If a beggar acts of us for arms, we give it. All those spiritual sacrifices, we observe, we fast. In fact, three dry days fast, I do. So we can quote all these spiritual sacrifices that we do, but God sees what goes on in the dark. He, go, he knows what goes on in the valley. Say, why donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing the winds of our craving in our heat, who can restrain her? Any male that pursue her need not, need not tire themselves. So these are allots, prostitutions. At mating time, they will find her. So, you know, mommy will explain that to us when next. But these are prostitution going on, underneath. Do not run until, do not run until your feet are bare and your throat is dry. That you said it's no use. I love foreign gods. And I must go after them. So these are people who are bent on their ways. They are bent on their evil ways. No matter how 
warning is going left, right, and center, they are bent for evil. That is why whenever we come to church, there's an opportunity for us to repent because God so much loves us that he will give us opportunity upon opportunity. He will lay it on the heart of the minister who is ministering, even though there may not be any discussion made, but because God is after his soul, he will make sure that he's hammering it, hammering it, hammering it. In any gathering, he will hammer it. Even through your friends that are unbelievers, he will still say the same thing because he's trying to get your soul. But if you still say, I'm bent on my ways, I must go after them. I must go after sin. Then the consequence will be waiting for you. Verse 28 says, as a thief is disgrace. And that's the utmost goal of Satan. He wants to disgrace. He wants to disgrace God's people. See, as a thief is disgrace when, it is caught, when he is caught. So the people of Israel are disgrace. They, they are king and they are officials, they are priests and they are prophets. God doesn't want to disgrace his people. But sin can disgrace. God will give us opportunity to repent. But when we do not give in to repentance, then our sin will be revealed on the rooftop for everyone to see. And that is the target, that is the utmost goal of Satan, so that he can disgrace anyone who rebel against God. Let's not give that room. Let's not give room to Satan to disgrace us. Let's take it to the world and give it to correction. He said, they say to wood, you are my father. And to stones, you gave me birth. So these are people who bow down to graven image. And we can read that also in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40 talks about all those graven image who bow down after they have they've set up the idol. They now bow down to the idol that they set up and say, save us. They have turned their back to me and not their faces. I pray we will not turn our back against God. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, come and save us. See, in the time of the Israelites, we have seen over and over again when we read their history, how they turn their back against God, how they sin against God. And when they are taken over by, the, by their enemies, they will cry upon God. God will deliver them. God will deliver them. If we read the book of um, Proverbs chapter 1, from 22 to 33, if I can quickly just read that through, from 22 to 23. The danger of us rebelling, and then in a time of trouble, we now call upon God. Proverbs 1.22 says, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Go on. If you have responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Go on. But since you rejected me when I call, and no one gave it when I stretch out my hand, 
since you ignore all my advice and will not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. Before you can get to this stage, God must have been given warning that they have abandoned and they've neglected and they are bent on their own ways and said, God, I've decided in my heart, that is me. So when a man gives in to pride, then in the time of trouble, you will call many times and God will, will look as if God is not there. Let's not allow that. Let's not allow all our shortcomings to get to that. Let's repent. When, time, when we sin against God, let's acknowledge that we have sinned and that God will show mercy. Because these ones, they neglected God. In verse 28, he says, where, where, where then are the gods you made for yourself? Let them come if they can save you. When you are in, when you are in trouble, for you, Judah, have as many gods as you have towns. Can you imagine? Judah is God's own people, God's own inheritance. But the Bible says that they were a nation full of gods, even more than their towns. So they have become idol worshippers. They've in turn turned their back against God. What are the idols that we have in our house? We may not have all this graven image that we bow to. But the things that take your attention, as I was citing about television earlier, if you spend more time on TV that you do not spend more time in the Word of God, then TV has become your God. If a particular program you cannot do without it, to the extent that some have a particular program that they watch that they will not even come to church. If it comes to that time, ah, 7 o'clock every Tuesday, no way. Bible, I will connect online. That has become your God. It has become your God. Some people, is their home. Nobody can go to their home. It has become your God. Anything that we cannot release for God's use, it's become our God. Because we brought nothing to this world and we are taking nothing. And work can also be our God. Some people just love work. Thank God. Easter is coming. They've already told their manager, I'm ready to do extra because it's double pay. So, it has become your God. Because at that time, we have Jesus' seminar here. But you say, Jesus' seminar, I'll watch it online. So, anything that you cannot release for God has become your God. And it can be a small letter God that you cannot do without. You have embraced it so much that it has taken the whole of you. It can be your children as well. It can be your husband. I often said this, and I'm saying it again. There are some people that their husband is the first point of call, even more than Jesus. In times of trouble, they don't remember Jesus' name. It's their husband they will call. You know, some people, when danger strikes, they say, Jesus, for them, he's... Don't let me say something. <laughs> I don't want to call somebody else's name. But it's the name of their husband, even in dreams. If they are pressed down in dreams, it's a, uh, let me call, maybe Paul. Nobody's Paul here, is it? Paul, their husband, they are so much possessive of their husband to the extent that husband has now occupied the whole of them. So, 
watch it. Don't let husband be your God. Hmm? Jesus is our God. We need to be filled with Jesus. We should be able to release everything for Jesus. Our time, our talents, everything we possess, it must be for Jesus. It must be for Jesus. So let Jesus, not be, let Jesus be our God that will not forsake him and let things that perish, things that will go with the world, let them not be our God. So, verse 20, where am I? Verse 29, it said, why do you bring charges against me? You have all rebelled against me declares the Lord. In vain, I, pu- I punish your people. They did not respond to correction. See, when God punish, it is because he wants to win our heart back to him. That's the reason. It's not because he hates us. God doesn't hate his people. In fact, even while we are wallowing in sin, God hates the sin. He doesn't hate his people. God cannot hate what he has created. But he can hate the deeds. So punishment is a matter of God getting our attention to him, back to him. But even though God punished the Israelites, some of them still don't repent. So it has got into the climate. So I want us to, you know, examine ourselves on a daily basis. If things are not working out the way it should work out, first and foremost, before we blame in the devil, let's look inwardly and ask ourselves, what has gone wrong? What is it that I'm doing? If it's something that you know you are doing that is not right, then you repent before God. But if it's something that you've searched yourself and it looks as if you can't find anything, ask God to reveal it to you. When God reveals it to you, you repent immediately. You repent immediately. So, but these people, they have so, their heart is so hardened to the extent that correction, punishment, they, are, they don't give in to it. They are bent on their ways. It's something that I cannot do with that. I made up my mind. That's it. Stubborn-hearted. I pray the Lord will not make us stubborn. We will not be stubborn. God cannot make us stubborn. We should not be stubborn in Jesus' name. Your sword has devoured, devoured your prophet like a ravenous lion. You, you of this generation, consider the word of the Lord. Have, have I been a desert to Israel or a land of great darkness? Why do my people say we are free to roam? <laughs> we will come to you no more. I imagine we are free to roam. Those of us who are Christians who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are not free to roam. Paul put it this way. He said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. And you know a prisoner is not free. A prisoner is not free. We are free from the sin of this world. We are free from the sin of this world. But in Christ Jesus, we are his prisoner. That means that we are yoked to him. We are connected to him. There is a line, a lifeline that connected, that connects us to Christ. So there's anything we are doing must be in him. Must be from him, in him. So we cannot, we cannot break loose or break free from him. So we are not free to roam. 
be afraid to roam anywhere, then you can be, you will be caught up by the evil birds, which is the devil himself, who is a ravenous beast. The Bible says the Satan, our adversary, is roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. But we should resist him steadfastly. But the people who have the power to resist him are those who have submitted to Christ, who are connected and rooted in Christ. So we're not free to roam. We are not free to roam. Does a young woman forget her jewelry? Thank God we just finished a glorious wedding. So we have a picture of that. When Pastor Lizzie was coming gallantly through the eye, you see how beautiful and radiant she was with her jewelry and all that. Can you imagine if she forgets it at home? It's part of the wearing, it's part of the costume to make her beautiful. So does a woman... And then most of us who have gotten married, we've gone through that experience. Those are the things that adore a woman. Does a young woman forget her jewelry, a bride, her wedding ornaments? No, it's part of it. You are not complete without it. Yet my people have forgotten me. Hey, days without number. The Bible says we should put on Christ. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. We should put on Christ. So Jesus must be what we put on daily. So when we put on Jesus daily, they should be able to see us out there and see Jesus in the inside of us. Reflecting on the outside. And if you go home, read Colossians 3, 12 to 16. Those are the specific things we need to put on on a daily basis. Time will not permit me to go there, but Colossians 3, 12 to 16. And that portrays a picture of Christ, the likeness of Christ that we need to put on on a daily basis. If we don't put them on, then we have not put on Christ. And that means we are forsaking him. So Jesus said, God is telling them that Israel has forsaken me because they are not putting me on. They are putting something else on, but not me. So they are forgotten me days without number. I pray we will not forget God. We will be clothed with him. We will be clothed with Christ daily. Daily we need to put on Christ. Daily. We put on Christ in what we, how we speak, what we speak. Things that we treasure. When people see you, can they see Christ? Can they see Christ? Are you easily offended? Do you act in such a way that they question your Christianity? Are you always angry? Are you abusive? Are you depressed? How do you undo, you know, stress, if we call it stress, at work? When people are gossiping, are you among them? When they are slandering bosses, are you among them? Those are how we put on Christ. What sort of conversation goes on? What is so common in your language? How do, how do they view you? Or how, how will people talk about you? What is common in your language? So God wants us to put him on on a daily basis. Jesus wants us to put him on on a daily basis. As, an, as a bride will not forget our wedding ornaments, we should not forget Christ. How skilled you are of pursuing love, even the worst of women can learn them from your can learn from your ways. 
I pray that people will not learn bad habits from us. Not say, if she can do it, then I can do it. Ah, no. If I can walk godly, then others should be able to walk godly. That should be our testimony. Not if someone can get, if she can get away with lies, I too can lie as well. No, that's not a good testimony. It's not a good testimony at all. The owl skilled, I'm almost over finishing. The on your clothes is found, the livelihood of innocent poor, though you did not catch them breaking in. Yet in spite of all this, you say, I am innocent. He is not angry with me. <laughs> I am innocent. He's not angry with me. But I will pass judgment on you because you said I have not sinned. See? Psalm 32 verse 9 from verse um, 5. Let's see what that says. Psalms 32 verse 5. How we need to acknowledge our sins. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. God doesn't want us to cover up our iniquity. When we sin, don't wait until the day is over before you confess your sin. As Christians, when we sin, it pricks our conscience. Immediately, if you are a true believer, immediately you will tell God, I'm sorry. Immediately you will know that something has gone wrong here. And you will confess your sin before God. It's not something that you put off, put on, put off, and then after a while it now becomes a gangrene. Say, so I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgive the guilt of my sin. So these people were plain earlier than thou. They were telling God, I've not sinned. I don't see anything wrong in what I've done. Is that you? If someone comes to you that you've really offended, the first thing before you can justify yourself, don't even justify yourself. When people come to you, look, you've offended me, just say, I'm sorry. That's, that's the language of every believer. Instead of you arguing, a child of God will not argue. A child of God will admit what they have done. And if there is any clarification that needs to be made, you first of all say sorry. Then if you need to clarify something, then you put it forward. So, but we should not hide our sin. Because he who hid his sin will not prosper. That's what the Bible says. So we want to see the prosperity of God. We should acknowledge our sin. And don't play earlier than thou. Why do you go about so much changing your ways? You will be disappointed by Egypt as you were by Assyria. So woe unto him who hath trust in Egypt. That's what the Bible says. Isaiah 31, verses 1 to 3. You will also leave that place with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those you trust. You will not be helped by them. So if we trust in man or we trust in, in uh, bosses or we trust in things apart from God, the Bible says at the end of the day, it will only bring us disgrace because God will make sure that he blocked every avenue that we can have help if we forsake him. So God is the one that we should trust. God is the one that we should rely on. And God is calling our attention that we should not forsake him. The key thing I want us to go home with is the fact that God is our fountain of living water. So we cannot afford to forsake him because if we forsake him, we forsake life. 
If we forsake him, we are empty. If we, are fors- if we forsake him, we are hopeless. So let's learn to trust God. Let's learn to, to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our path. I'm so happy that we are able to cover this, but we know that towards the end, I'm rushing through it. But mom is going to shed more light on that when next we meet next week. Can we stand on our feet? And we're going to pray.